Good morning. Uh, particularly if you're at home this morning and you're tuning in uh, to listen. I don't know how you're finding it, um, trying to stay focused when you're in your own house. Uh, so I thought we'd start today with a little bit uh, of a game for you to play along with. Uh, we're going to play Preacher Bingo. You don't think I'm, I'm glad you don't uh, think I'm joking. So I want you to choose any six words uh, from this list. Teacher, love, Jesus, maths, Harry, church, feet, textbook, and uh, service. If you hear those words, cross them off your list uh, as we play along this morning. I hope it's not too irreverent or anything like that. So wherever you are this morning, uh, whether that's on the sofa, at home, with a cup of tea in your hands, or if you're even catching up on your way to work on Monday, or if you're here in the building uh, this morning, may we draw closer to Jesus uh, during this time of Lent. May we sit and eat at his table. Amen. When I first saw this sermon series uh, titled, Why Did Jesus Have to Die? I was worried that we were going to get stuck in some sort of lecture series going into some theological depths of why Jesus had to die, why it's important, and we would end up just filling our heads uh, with knowledge. The more I thought about this question, why did Jesus have to die, the more questions it raised for me about me and my life, how I live it. Why did Jesus have to die? What sort of response is that going to prompt uh, from me? You might have been thinking we were going to be stuck in a classroom as though we were reading from a textbook. But that's really uh, not the case. These questions of why Jesus has to die and the answers to them are going to prompt changes in our life. They're going to transform how we think and how we live. So my prayer this morning as we journey through this series is that we're left challenged that we don't just leave with a nice tagline for us to remember, a nice motto for the week, but we're challenged afresh about how we live our lives. Jesus' death wasn't just some sort of academic exercise to prove a point. His death and his resurrection transform how we live our lives, how we view the world, how we pray, how we worship. Now, I've always tried to resist pulling a bit of maths uh, into my sermons. I've tried to stay away from it. Well done. Two points uh, for Dad. But I'm going to do it uh, today. I'm going to do a little bit uh, of a survey. It's only two questions, so it won't take very long. If you're in church, put your hands up. If you're watching at home, maybe you could leave a little comment on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Question number one. Have you ever watched this film? called Click. Adam Sandler. One, two, three, four people. Okay? Five, six. Yeah, few of us. Okay. Few of us, but not many. Um, it was released in 2006, starring Adam Sandler, and surprisingly, not Jennifer Aniston. That was a young person joke. Question number two. Aside from sort of like your children, anybody that you kind of like care for, so in a sort of, not in a bathing sort of sense, 
How many times have you washed someone else's feet? I thought that was a hand. From, no, was it one, two? Two people. Let me just reread some of our passage three uh, this morning. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus' words, direct from him. Maybe translate into English, but direct words. You cannot get away from that instruction, can you? It's not a bit, uh, it's not lovey-dovey. It's not uh, wishy-washy or anything. It's now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So whilst there's plenty of passages uh, in the Bible that need interpreting, this is, I think, one of those passages where if you try and put too much of a spin on it, we're going to end up watering it down. If we were to say, Jesus doesn't really want me to wash anybody's feet because that's a bit gross, I think we'd just be diluting what Jesus has to say. In the past, I've heard talks on this, and people have genuinely said, but don't worry, we aren't actually going to wash your feet. But why not? Isn't that what Jesus is actually saying? Here is Jesus, the one who comes as saviour and king. And rather than being treated to any pomp or any ceremony, he rolls his sleeves up and he washes the disciples' feet. How humbling is that for us as Christians? That's the same thing that we're supposed to do. I don't know if you've been following uh, the news recently uh, about Prince Harry stepping back uh, from the royal family. But this is, this is something he said uh, a few days ago. My life is always going to be about public service. I don't know if he means that seriously, whether he's just saying that uh, for the cameras. But if Jesus had said those words, my life is always going to be about service, we just wouldn't question it. We'd just accept it. My life is always going to be about public service. And wouldn't that be great if that's what people thought of us? Their lives are always going to be about service, about serving God, about serving other people, loving God, loving other people. I really think the passage that we've listened to this morning, it's part of this wider cycle of Jesus doing something, the disciples copying him and repeating. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And it's a pattern that you find throughout the Gospels. Jesus preaches the good news. Jesus sends out the disciples to preach the good news. Jesus heals people. Jesus sends out the disciples to heal people. Jesus gets baptised. Jesus instructs us to be baptised. Jesus prays. Jesus teaches us how to pray. That imitation of Jesus and his disciples should be our rhythm of life. And of course, there's, only some, there's some things only Jesus could do. Only Jesus could go to the cross. Only Jesus could die for us. But in general, a life of worship, prayer, and service 
following what they did is what we're after. When Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, the message we take away is not, oh, I could just do with a foot rub. It's Jesus serves people, even washing their feet. I need to do the same. As I was reading it, there was a, an order to that passage that I, I thought was particularly important. With John and his gospel, it's always loaded with theology. Whereas the other gospel accounts might be um, more about the facts and setting things out in order, a historical account. John's always loading it up with theology. So let me just reread some of the earlier uh, verses. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. First, Jesus is the one who died for us. Second, Jesus is the one who shows us how to live. We can't just skip the first and treat Jesus as a moral teacher or a self-help guru. When it says Jesus was returning to God, it's saying that even though Jesus was about to die, one of his last acts on earth was to wash the feet of his disciples. Even the very people who would soon deny Jesus. And doesn't that just add to the richness of his love? His love for us and his instruction for us to go about doing the same. And what we're doing there is when we're imitating Christ, we're pointing other people to him. We're not trying to become him. When people talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, it's not for our own good or that we're elevating ourselves to become Jesus, but it's to point them to him to meet him for themselves. Our lives of service aren't those to save people, but to love people. And that's why we can't just reduce any of the gospel to a one-sentence summary statement. The good news of Jesus isn't just you are forgiven. It's you are forgiven, and you're wanted to build God's kingdom. The gospel is more than saving you from your sins. It's about how we live our lives because we are set free too. Now at the beginning uh, of my talk, I asked you if you'd ever watched the film Click. It might have seemed a bit random because I haven't mentioned it uh, until now. So here's what happens in the film if I've remembered it correctly. A man finds this sort of magic remote that means he can skip through the boring stuff of his life, like the cleaning or the tidying up, or the arguments he has with his wife, or the painful medical treatment, just so that he can get to the good bits. And it's great at first, but he soon finds himself missing out on too much. He skips past things, even though they were difficult, but they were really important parts of his life. So this morning as you sit here and think, what is it that God is saying 
to me. Maybe it's get on. Get washing feet. Maybe even literally. Don't skip out the difficult things. Don't ignore what's hard or dirty. And as we move towards the end of this pandemic, as the restrictions start to ease, let's not be people who say, I'll do that in a few, mo- few weeks' time because it will be easier then. Let's roll our sleeves up. Let's get on. Let's tie a towel around our waist and wash some feet. Shall we pray? Father God, let us be people who are recognised because of our service for you and for others. Lives lived because you died for us and set us free to live for you. When it's difficult, will you help us? When we don't feel like it's worth it, will you inspire us? Here we are, Lord. We're ready. Amen.